dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Carve Up. My name is John Shimoka. Alongside me, well, not so much alongside me, but way up the coast is one of our other hosts. Uh, his name's Will Weber, and our special guest in the studios today is none other than Tracks editor, Mr. Luke Kennedy. Welcome, boys. Great to be here. Yeah. Nice to be in the Northern Studio, as we call it, and Shooter probably sucking on a bintang right now, eh? Yeah, he's piked it on us, boys. He's uh, decided to head off with the family. He's gone soft. Uh, I hope that's the only thing he's sucking on right now. <laughs> yeah, well, let's hope so, right? He's in Maybe Bali. that went soft. He, he's in Bali. Yes, he is. in Bali. But uh, anyways, boys, it's great to be back on the show. Great to be talking all things for real in the sport of surfing and sport in general, really, guys. Um, it's another great show. Event wrap-up, Tahiti's just wrapped up 24 hours ago. Um, well, the waves, gentlemen, didn't really live up to expectations. However, the performances from some of the guys, especially one Jeremy Flores did. Comments, gentlemen, please help me. Yeah, man. Well, it's funny. Some of the heats, you know, the waves look three foot, and then there's eight to ten foot waves. I mean, maybe not quite ten foot, but, man, that place is just heavy. At any size, um, sure we didn't get the conditions of yesteryear, but um, you know there were still good heats. Yeah, Luke, you know you've seen your fair share of events, and you've been around the world. You've you've been to Tahiti um, one week either side of the event. You know next week it'll pump there, and last week it was absolutely cranking. I mean, Mother Nature seems to throw some serious curveballs at us during events, doesn't she? Oh, absolutely, John. And you know, I'm something of an advocate for maybe fewer contests and longer waiting periods, so that we can guarantee that we score. Obviously, we, you know, the WSL got lucky last year with uh, that probably the best heat I think in surfing history between Kelly Slater and John John Florence. But uh, this time, Chopu becomes its own worst enemy because the expectations are so high that when it's not sort of eight to ten foot and flawless. People are a little bit disappointed. Okay, so question for you: if you if you if you think longer waiting periods will bring better surf, that's quite a possibility. But how do you sell that to TV? I mean, surfing these days is so monetized; it is so ready to be monetized. But how do we sell it? How how do we how do we keep the the, the punters, the fans, and the networks attracted to the sport when you're waiting three, four, five, six days potentially uh, for the event to happen? Yeah, that obviously is a challenge, and. I guess you would have to look at exploring more of the lifestyle dimension behind professional surfing. So some of the coverage or more of the coverage would have to include what these guys are doing in and around the scenes. Because let's face it, it's a, it's a two-dimensional sport. If you're a professional in the WSL, you're a competitor pulling on a jersey. But every time you're in the water, you're actually competing. And other facets of your life are obviously interesting to the public. Well, you can never get too much of Tahiti. So to me, you could sell that part of the, the world tour for sure all day long. And, and people from around the world will definitely uh, love it. However, you know, you're in a big uh, city such as Rio de Janeiro. Still beautiful. You can go to, you can do the tourist thing. But how do you sell that into the networks? Will, what's your, what's your take on it? Well, I've thought about it recently. What's to stop the top 10, get rid of the 44 with all their money together, backed by sponsors, that they just follow swells? That you say, hey, J-Bay's on, let's all go, you make the show and you put it on. Well, logistically, I think it would cost you, you know, way too much money. 
uh, to to just pick up. And unless you had an airline sponsor, you had a production company sponsor. There's a lot more to making these world tour events happen than just putting up. You know, back in the good old days, right, boys? We used to just chuck up a couple of tents and you know have a few judges and and one guy on the PA, and, and we're off and running the old uh, IPS days. Or or you were mentioning off air, will. Back in the days here in Australia, when when it was still grassroots, I think now um, to really promote and, and showcase the world's best surfers, I look on one one side of the the fence. I agree with you. Will cutting down the top twenty two to top forty four definitely might help fit in inside a, a, a three day window as opposed to a five. You nearly got the maths right on that. Yeah, I nearly got the maths right. <laughs> that's, that's why I only finished year eleven. Um, but you know, I, I think there is a way. I, I just, I mean, for me, I can't see it right now, boys. So it's an interesting topic because we have struggled in the last couple of years. Uh, last year, obviously, Code Red, uh, Tahiti, uh, a few times we've jagged it, but a few times it's it's sort of uh, it's not lived up to what that wave can produce. Yeah, the Dream Tour. Well, I think the big disappointment with the WSL at the moment is, you know, there's been certain developments and there's been a few innovations. They've built a bigger contest tent on the Gold Coast. We've seen a few new commentators, etc. But... There's yet to be one really exciting event proposal. So we haven't seen G-Land back on the tour. We haven't seen something exciting like one event maybe that's totally mobile within a realistic scheme of things. So let's go mobile Australia or mobile mentalize. I think that's feasible and realistic. And, you know, where's the, where's the big idea from the WSL? Where, I think the fans are waiting for it. They want to be excited. I like what you just said there, Luca. mobile mentalize. I think the technology is nearly there that, you know, we could showcase to the world and the boats would be traveling from Lances or HTs, if you like, to Macaronis to, you know, Thunders, I mean, or Playgrounds. I mean, there's there was an event back in the day, Billabong Ran, which was fantastic, but although you had to wait a few weeks for it to come out on, on video or DVD or, or, or the like, I, I think there's 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 a way. Um, I just I just don't know when, the, when or there how. There is a way, and it's... One word, wave pools, and they're coming real soon. Oh, <laughs> we can talk to Greg soon about this. I, I, I tell you, I tell you, seriously, you are living in the clouds up there right now. You are seriously <laughs> living in the clouds, and shameful plugs on you. Yeah, uh, that was good, eye. But uh, it was very good, Will. But look, wave pools, definitely, if we want to be in, in something like the Olympics, and I think with the development of the Weber, Weber wave pool, and then Kelly's got his uh, designs and a few other, you know, the Wave Garden. That's a whole other show, River, boys. Yeah, Rivermouth. What about Yamba Rivermouth, Will? Is that uh, oh, the, or, very, the origin? Yeah, with a big Very bar. alive right now. <laughs> yeah. But look, let, let's, let's not get off topic. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the waiting periods are definitely an issue. Um, Tahiti, it, it didn't pump, but the surfing was phenomenal. What we did get out of um, some of the competitors, and of course, uh, yes, Will, you can tell me so. Uh, the winner, Jeremy <laughs> Flores, was absolutely outstanding. Let's talk a little bit about um, the I told you so moment, Will. Uh, go for it. You've got about 30 seconds before I cut you I, off. I love this. And I think you did give me a kick on the balls just a little earlier with that gripe about my, dis- my pick of the new tour. It was a tickle. That, that was a little slap. Look, didn't I pick him the dark? He was my dark horse, and my second was CJ. So I did pretty well. A first and a third. My Julian fell out. But, um, yeah, you, you're a little rough on the old CJ. You just said no, 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 no. I said, let's clarify for the record, I said he wouldn't win. Uh, I, I'm totally stoked for yeah. CJ. He, he surprised a lot of people. 
Um, he really took it to the field. He show classed his experience. He showed if it was going to happen. Yeah, it was going to happen anywhere. It was going to happen here. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's right. And you know what? His experience carried him through a lot of difficult heats out there. So good on you, CG. I think uh, um, you know the old dog still got a lot of fight in him. Um, only a couple of years ago, he was in the semis at Cloudbreak. So he's yeah, he can yeah. perform in in those sort of left hand waves. Yeah, well, you know, we all remember that one big paddle in photo of CJ, right? Yeah. Um, he's definitely got the balls to to handle whatever Chopu will throw at him, and and he showcased that this week. So, you know, he should he should be proud. He got the AI award. Uh, yeah, that that was that, that was, was pretty nice. special. You know, that doesn't just go out to any kook, right? You know, AI being the the multiple world champion and legend of the sport and multiple winner around the world that he that he he was. Um, he's still fresh in our memories. Uh, God rest his soul. And and CJ was very emotional when he got that award because it's like winning a world title. That thing. Well, CJ would have spent a lot of time with Andy. So unlike some of the younger competitors on tour, CJ would have had shared a lot of moments, shared a lot of heats. So to someone like him, probably meant almost as much as winning the event, particularly in his final year on tour. I yeah. think if there wasn't the CJ story as well, retiring it would have been hard to pick someone this year with the waves. Yeah. You know, I would have thought maybe they would would have dropped it this year because there was nothing really that outstanding. You know, everyone was doing the same kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for those of you listening out there to this incredible show, because we're running it, um, you know, we'd love to hear the feedback at any time uh, from from you guys out there uh, on our Facebook page, the Carve Up Surf Show. So get onto the Facebook page and let us know what you're thinking, what you think we might need to talk about next time we're on the Carve Up, and uh, we will try and do our best to get to that. Uh, boys, still on topic here with the stop number seven on the WSL Tour. You know, let's talk a little bit. We know Jeremy Flores put in an amazing event performance with a helmet on. We'll get to that in a little bit. But, guys, there was a lot of other things going on in and around the event. Uh, a, a few surprise upsets, uh, shock losses to me. Taj going out early. He's won that event before. Michelle Perez, um, second round, gone. Gone. Boys. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know why he doesn't perform at home. It's really weird. You know, cut his teeth there. Um, also, you know, Slater and John John, are they too technical for the judges? Like the stuff they're doing is off. You just got to think in my, in my eyes, if you're surfing a heat or even a free surf, would, who would I rather surf like? And looking at those heats, I'd rather have surfed like John John against Gabrielle or Slater against uh, the winner, Jeremy. Well, I guess that uh, that implies that the judges are then going to spend a lot more time analysing different camera angles and evaluating exactly what it is you mean by uh, yeah. technically excellent surfing. Well, if you, if you care to kind of give us a, an indication of what you actually mean by being technically superior. Well, look, especially with Jeremy, are we just going to pay a bigger wave? Because then it's a pretty odd thing. You know, you look at the criteria. It's not just who gets the biggest wave wins. It's like in the old days, you know, you'd surf all the way to the sand and that was that was a huge thing. But you look at the side-on stuff of Kelly and the tube, the turning, coming out. Like his first wave he got possibly could have gone into his top two in uh, the quarters where he got a really nice barrel and came out and did an amazing roundhouse. You know, the only other one was done by Owen and a beautiful foam. Um, th that thing would have felt insane. I think you've got to also know what it's like to be a surfer to score it properly. 
Yeah, I wish. All right, boys. Um, I wish I was a surfer, but uh, I'm just a punter these these days. Now, listen, we're going to go to a short break. We're going to hold those thoughts because we've got plenty more Tahiti to talk about. And uh, we're going to go to a short break, and we'll be right back with more of the Carve Up. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the Carve Up. Uh, of course, John Shimoka here, a.k.a. Shmoo, Luke Kennedy, editor of Tracks Magazine, and Mr. Will Weber from all the way up there in the big northern Part of uh, New South Wales, and I don't know where you are, but you're somewhere up there. You know, it's in Gary. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, yeah. keep it down low so no one goes oh, yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, no one does. So man. You blew it. The man um, in the are doing that. <laughs> yeah, listen, um, boys, on Tahiti, Jeremy Flores, uh, the helmet, it's back, and for good reason. You know, Jeremy, uh, who ended up winning the event, uh, it would have it, it would have given him that extra bit of comfort, confidence. And support going in, knowing that that reef is what six, ten, twelve inches under where his uh, his fins are, boys. Uh, I thought it was an outstanding performance. Yeah, well, apparently after the uh, the incident at Lakey Peak, he had some short term amnesia. So, uh, but he certainly didn't forget how to ride the barrel. Maybe he forgot how to be afraid, but uh, definitely performed well. And I think the helmet. What I'm curious to see is is Jeremy going to make the uh, the helmet trendy again? Are we going to see kids wearing helmets uh, all around the world? AKA, I think when um, Tom Carroll and Gary Elkin wore them for a while there in the 90s, they became, you saw the, the gaff rise to popularity. Well, Look, mate, if he wants to impress me, I want to see some Tom Carroll pants with him. Well, let me, oh, there you go. You, you've just uh, pointed out a, a reference from, I've got a reference here from Jeremy in a recent interview you did with, uh, I think it was Surfline. And he said, hell, Tom Carroll wore a helmet at Pipeline and he won. So can I. So. Uh, he did very much what Tom Carroll did it. in that big, uh, big pipeline uh, event that he took out, and of course Jeremy, a pipeline master himself, in two, 2010. So he's no stranger to the barrel. He's no stranger, stranger to waves of consequence. Boys, and it, it was an outstanding victory. He he made the semifinals in Fiji, went over to Sumbawa over and was surfing Lakey Peak with good mate and WCL surfer Wiggly Dantes. Was just on the end of the wave. Uh, doing a bit of aerials, you know, which he doesn't do very often, as we all know. He's more of a tube rider, big hack, all that sort of stuff. Just did a freaky rotation, head first right in the reef. Two <laughs> hours of memory loss. He was, he was saying in an interview that he was so frustrated because he didn't know who he was, where he was, for about two hours, and it was scary. He said he's he's had some big beatings, and I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I would be shit scared. If I was going back in the water and surfing a shallow reef, I think psychologically it's a huge thing to overcome. Perhaps, perhaps what we've got here for Jeremy, though, is a little bit of a draw a line in the sand moment. Sometimes when people have a, a major injury or a major incident, it allows them to kind of draw a line in the sand and go, that's it, and they're even more determined. You know, it's a bit of a cliche, but uh, beware the wounded line. Also, it can really focus someone. When, they, when they're carrying an injury like that. Well, he's currently number seven, Will, in the world after that uh, victory in Tahiti. Uh, speaking of uh, being number seven in the ratings, boys, uh, didn't that event give it a shake-up? That's right. Well, it's looking at what Owen Wright had a chance to go into the, into the number one position, I think, if he made the final or took out the event. Currently at number two and really emerging as a major threat for this year's title. We know Owen's capable of it. We saw him finish... Actually finished third to Kelly a few years ago, but was second for most of the year. Mate, if he was only if he was in Sabara and couldn't remember who he was or where he was for two hours, that's nothing compared to me about ten years ago. 
I didn't know where I was for about two days. I think I, I think can... I think you don't even know what topic we're on. Yeah, yeah no, no, I just <laughs> I was just reminiscing. Obviously, have you drank that coffee up there yet? Yeah, like, yeah, the coffee's good. It's coming in t- strong. We've gone off, Jeremy. We're talking about Owen Wright here, you know, and how well he how well he's doing. He's number two in the world. I I think I know where I am. Your, your hey, look, the the guys that we wanted to talk about also with the injuries coming back have been they're all in the top. Mick with his hamstring uh, ripped off the bone. Owen with his back, nearly finished his career and his back, and then Jeremy. So is there something in that? Well, you know, no one wants to get injured and then uh, and then have to, to come back um, and perform, but uh, they definitely did. So uh, we are going to go to a short break, boys, because you know what? we got plenty to talk about, Will, and you're going to get right into this subject, as is our special guest uh Editor of Tracks Magazine, Luke Kennedy. We're going to talk about surfboards, boys, and they're called bananas right after this break on the Carve Up. Welcome back to the Carve Up and uh, all things for real in action sports, surfing, if you like. John Shimoka, alongside myself, guest editor or the editor of Tracks Magazine, Luke Kennedy, and of course, Will Weber, way up there in the boondocks up northern New South Wales. Gentlemen, let's talk about surfboards. There was many different types ridden uh, at Chopu. Uh, Kelly Slater from mine on the board he rode. And Will and, and Luke, chime in because I know you guys got plenty of info on this one. It was a Greg Weber banana board. Looks so tidy in the pocket. Gentlemen, that, comments. That's, that's nice to hear from you because the guys in the WSL said they made some odd comments about it being weird on the foam. Man, he wouldn't have been on the foam if he couldn't have been tight and high. Those guys are tripping. They just got to say something and the shit falls out of their mouth. Whoa. Man, absolutely tight. The backhand vertical he did on one was off the planet. And I said to you, Shmoo, there's going to be turns this year. And it was because I knew Kelly's been on the boards for like – Man, it's almost a year. It was straight after last Chopper. He went, hey, I want to go down this avenue when my brother Mont put out the film Journey On about Shane Herring, uh, the, the tracks put out. Yep. And Kelly yeah. saw that and he was gave inspired. Him an copy. He was meant to be part of it, but he didn't chime in. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he's going to do something when Mont makes the, the longer version of that. But looking at the turns that uh, Hero did on them, he thought, man, you know, I haven't finished my career until I do that. And he's, he's well on the path. To, we're going to see a turn this year that's going to rewrite the book. Yeah, look, I, I think um, Kelly, look, I don't know what those guys were saying on social media. I, I don't really pay attention to too much of that stuff because I just simply don't care. No, it was a double um, guys. You probably had the volume turned down. Yeah, I did. And I just – If you yeah, got any brains. Uh, <laughs> you know, I look at one photo and go, yep, same thing 77 times. But, uh, no, Kelly did from mine. He looked really sharp. Uh, regardless of where he was on the phone ball, because no matter where Kelly is on the phone ball, he's still going to come out the other side, right? Um, he's that good. But you know what? More importantly, gentlemen, the old bald-headed dude has got a sniff. He's in there with a sniff. That's a keeper. The quarterfinals a keeper result. It is a keeper result. But uh, And let's stay on topic here with the boards. So banana boards will off, off um, during commercial – you, I think he asked the question, do you think he's going to ride it um, throughout the rest of the year? Um, what are your thoughts? As he, Do you got any inside goss, Luke? Any goss on that? When I was at Bell's, Greg was camped out up on the cliffs at Winky Pop, and he'd given Kelly two boards to ride and experiment with. This is as far back as Bell's. And, uh, you know, Greg being Greg, we need a whole lot of technical explanation as to why the banana board's going to work. 
with its deep concave and its heavy rocker. But he seemed to suggest that Kelly really likes the idea of riding them in the steeper-faced waves, a.k.a. probably Fiji and Tahiti. That's where the banana boards are going to thrive. They're obviously going to be a little bit harder to make work somewhere like trestles where you don't have that really steep wave face. And I, I think that's why that banana board looks so good. When I watched the few heats that I did at Kelly, it, it looked like it fit in that pocket like a glove. Um, and that's what you want when you're doing the, the turns that they did end up doing. But also I thought it looked really good in the barrel as well. So um, well done to the banana boards and Greg Weber. I mean, Kelly Kelly looked very youngish in his well, so The thing is with the banana boards is for the average punter, they're going to go slower paddling marginally. and you, they're going to need it more in the pocket. But if you're a good surfer, and I think Kelly Slater is, all right, man, he's a great paddler. You just turn when you turn the board, you get the speed. You, you saw it with the old footage of Hero. If you go to work on them, they work for you. Hey, listen here. All this talk about Kelly Slater and Shane Herring and all these guys that you listen. I, and you know what? Funny you brought up the fact that that Greg Weber was at Bell's camped out trying to give Kelly two boards to ride and experiment with because you know why. Greg was one day bored at home, pulled out the old DVD, VHS, whatever you want to call it, and there it was, Schmoo Doctor, second place, <laughs> Bell's Beach, on a Greg Weber banana board. Put that second. one in your crack pipe and smoke it, pal. Second, right after first. Oh, yeah, I, right I after I finished first. second to Cooper Silk and the Bondi board riders on a Greg Weber <laughs> banana board. But that's about as good as I got. <laughs> yeah, I just had to contend with one big fat, hairy Hawaiian named Sonny Garcia. But anyways, he was my buddy back then. Still is my buddy. Um, but now, look, boards are going to be, you know, boards are going to be the topic of discussion for Trestles Boys, and we'll get to that in our pre-event show on the Carve Up, uh, well, in a couple of weeks' time when they're all uh, in Southern California. So well, we're... What, what about Josh Kerr? That He said that he shaped the board that he uh, rode at Chopu this year, which yeah. I find is a bit of a slap in the face to Rusty Preisendorfer. Yeah, well, you know, he's trying to go down the Richie Collins route, you know, uh, or Cordell no, Miller. No, man, like. Richie shaped his from the blank. Like, you know what I was saying the other day? Imagine if Rusty turned up at the final and said, hey, um, I think I might surf this heat. I haven't done one for a while. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the equivalent of it. Well, this is the last thing I'll say about Kelly. Like, he's obviously bought into Firewire. From a business point of view, he's riding all these different kinds of boards. He's still riding Merricks. He's riding a Greg Webber banana board. Is there an ulterior motive here where, his ideal for Firewire is where he has all these A-grade shapers submitting boards. So he's already, so you've already got John Pizel. Does he, totally. want, he wants a Weber Firewire for sure. Spot on. Spot yeah, on. That, that, that's already on the cards for sure. You know, it's going to be, it's gonna be the, instead of being Firewire, it'll be the Kelly Slater range. I always say you might look dumb, but you ain't stupid. And you're listening to The Carve Up, and here's a classic by the Johnnies. Something 
Welcome back to the Carve Up, and uh, it, it's a place where we uh, we get real, we talk for real, and uh, we love it. So we're talking about the stop number seven on the WSL tour, of course, being that is Tahiti, where Jeremy Flores took it out. Uh, I'm here with the editor of Tracks Magazine, our special guest, Luke Kennedy, and of course, Willie Weber, way up in uh, northern New South Wales. Boys, we've had a great show so far, and... Um, you know, we, we're talking about all things surfing and rankings and how uh, this event, Tahiti, has really sort of rattled the cages of some of the surfers and, and really shaken up the, the rankings. But there has there seems to have been, over the last couple of years, a real dominance in a certain nationality. And you guys all know what I mean. The Brazilians have come hard, fast, and strong. They have been dominating the sport, the competitive sport, side of this sport for a long, long time now. Uh, Adriana de Souza still wearing that yellow jersey, uh, although, albeit very close with Owen right now, I mean, it's really sort of the margins really start to, to uh, be narrowed there by, uh, of course, Owen and Mix right there as well. But, gentlemen, let's talk a little bit about Australian surfing. So much history. You guys have dominated this sport. Australians, Australians have dominated surfing for so many years, decades, and all of a sudden here comes these uh, – these Brazilians and at times the Hawaiians and even the Americans, you know, with Kelly Slater, Taylor Knox, uh, Timmy Kearns, all these guys that are, are immensely talented. But, gentlemen, how is the state of Australian surfings, surfing and who is going to be the one that really sort of takes it to that next level after the McFannings and the Josh Kerrs? Talk to me. Well, if you're looking at the immediate 
future on tour. I think the expectation is for probably Julian Wilson and Owen Wright to really step up. Beyond that, looking at the juniors, I just did a, a trip to the Mentalize with seven of Australia's most talented juniors. Everyone from, we had Monty Tate from Maroubra, Sean Manners from WA. Kalani Ball is a really talented surfer from the New South Wales South Coast who's a super hungry competitor and an elite performer. Jared Hickle from uh, Cronulla just won his first WQS. Really strong competitor. These are all guys who are around about 17 or 18 who are on the cusp of making the transition to the w, to the WQS. Now, the big thing that's happened is this year the WSL said, once you're 18, you can no longer be a junior. Once you're 18, you have to compete on the WQS against the big boys. So formerly you could be a junior until you were 20, 21, and you could kind of hide in being a talented junior and get away with that with your sponsors, with your results. Now, once you hit 18, you got to get on tour and take on some hungry Brazilians. And that's going to be tough for the Australians. So, sorry, we'll be, I know you want to chime in there, but before you do, so what does that mean for the young Australians, right? One, you got to take in, there's so many factors here. Cost of traveling, experience, and, and really going out into the big wide world and putting on a show like you're saying, Luke. I, I mean, to me, it, it, it really makes it that much tougher to break onto the WSL. I think it definitely does. I mean, it's not. T- it's a, it's a worldwide introduction. It's a, it's it's universal. It's not just for Australia, but it's going to be a bigger challenge because you're going to have to convince your sponsors by the time that you're 18, in a kind of a lean economic time for some surf companies, that it's worthwhile them investing in you to travel around the world and try and qualify. Now, the reality of that is that a lot of sponsors aren't doing that, and you've got a lot of mum and dad surf tours going on so the kids that are actually managing to afford to travel to all the events are actually being backed by mum and dad because the sponsors can't do it and that's happening to an extent well unless you unless you're from the united states it's much easier in my experience to be from uh california florida if you like or even hawaii uh to be able to um travel and and get sponsorship of that nature you got to have some money you got to have some coin behind you that's the thing that's running this whole thing, which is really sad. When Australia had the APSA in the 80s, man, it, it was almost better than the World Tour, than the ASP. The, the depth was incredible. And there was a contest, and I remember, man, we weren't home for, you know, we were, there was a contest every two weeks. We are travelling, spending time with the Bransons in the west, the Buttonshaws up north. And, man, the bed was insane. But there was money here then because the, the businesses were cooking. Then they tried to take it over to get more money, hunting money yet again, and take it over the states. Uh, the NSAA started taking over, and now, of course, God knows what they make down in Brazil, but they must have some export that's doing well that's stealing it because they've got the offer of the massive TV rights, which, uh, of course, the WSL need. Might not be radio worthy, if I would say. <laughs> but no, <laughs> no, it's coffee. It, coffee it, it's sugar. coffee. That's right. All, in all seriousness, um, yeah, look, we all pointed it out. The money is hard to come by these days, gentlemen, and, and um, the surf industry isn't as rich as it was back in the 80s and the early 90s. Um, so it's it's much more difficult. Um, well, what about this Japanese guy winning the U.S. Open? Do you reckon that could reignite the Japanese? Well, I always thought, that speaking Just, of domestic tours, my theory with the Japanese tour was that it was always so lucrative for the Japanese to stay in Japan and compete on their own tour well, leaves, that they, yeah. weren't, they weren't hungry enough to really get out there and, and battle on the QS. So... You know, obviously, uh, that may change, and I'm sure the Japanese would love to have 
a representative on the tour. But there also weren't many sushi restaurants around the world in those days. So now there's plenty of incentive. Well, That's true. Good yeah. point. Well, you can I, train anywhere. I, comp- <laughs> I competed quite a bit uh, th- throughout Japan. Uh, I always st- thought the talent there was amazing. Uh, I honestly thought Masatoshi Ono would have been that guy. I, I thought it would have happened a lot earlier. Exactly. I thought Masatoshi Ono would have been that guy. He just didn't have that desire and hunger you spoke about, Luke. Um, but before we go into the Japanese Hirato, um, let's talk about out of that trip to the Mentawis, that tracks trip that you did, um, who stood out the most and who has some work to do? Well, that's a big... Uh... A big call to make. I'd have to say Kalani Ball was probably the most uh, mature performer overall in terms of being the ultimate modern surfer, having a really good rail game, having a lot of variation in his aerial act and having a really good competitive attitude also. He's, he's a hungry competitor. And on top of that, he likes big waves. You've really got to tick all those boxes at the moment. Who, who, uh, who's the most photogenic? Funnily enough, the best photos that we got from the trip, and you can check these out in the next issue of Tracks, the October issue, was Monty Tate from Marubra, actually considered one of the underdogs, came back with the best photos. Okay. In the barrel and above the air, he's big six-foot-plus guy, really good in the tube, and because he's so big, he's photogenic in the air and can also do a big Matt Hoy kind of turn. All right. Now, the ultimate carve-up question, who needs out of those six people, I believe it was, uh, six surfers? Who, who is going to have to do the most work to get to where he wants to be, which is ultimately on the WSL tour? Ah, there's a moment of silence. We love oh, that. Jeez, that we love that. Yeah. Putting, putting the editor on the spot. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think some, put it this way, I think some guys are going to have to make a critical decision. Am I going to try and be a competitor or am I going to try and get an alternative act and string a career out as a free surfer? There'll be a couple of guys that will have to make that call. There'll be one or two. And this is what the story is also about. I'm 18. I'm a talented junior. Everyone tells me how great I am. But this is kind of like the moment where I've got to decide, can I try and live this pro surfing dream or I've got to cut my losses, go get a trade, do something else. All right. If you, if you want to check out our Facebook page, The Carve Up Show, and tell us who you think uh, is going to be the next young, talented surfer to take Australia to the next level, um, by all means do so. But Luke's not going to get away that easy. I asked him a question. This is the carve-up. <laughs> we want an answer. Which out of those surfers – and look, it's just an opinion, right? Every it, They're like whatevers. Everyone's got one. But, Luke, we really want to hear it from you because you, you were on the trip. You see these guys day in and day out. You know this group of six surfers. They're ultra-talented, ultra-photogenic. We know that already. But there's always one guy that maybe might not be as talented but as – competitively will start to shine in the future, but he has to work that little bit harder. Who is that guy? On a competitive scale, I think Sean Manners is probably not going to be as competitive in that arena as the other guys, but I think he's actually probably a lot more marketable than most of the other guys on the trip. As a he's surfer. a great kid, mate. Yeah. So he's got his dad, rides his dad's boards. He's a great kid. Probably not as serious about the competition and probably already has an inkling that he's carving out a path for himself as a free surfer. Well, there you go. We saw it with the likes of, look, uh, David Rostovich, Craig Anderson. They, they've gone on to make good money. So as much as uh, the free surfing has sort of, you know, gone a little bit left here, you know, there's not as much money to be made in that market as there is on the competitive side. Um, there's still some dollars and cents out there. So 
if he wants to do that, by all means, you know, chase that dream because uh, to be able to go out and, and get paid to do something you love to do, which is ride waves, whether it be on a competitive level or doing boat trips like you guys just did with tracks, um, I encourage it. So, um, you know, it must have been a great trip to watch these guys out there in the mentalities because uh, I know the waves would have been good. I, I, look, I love the guy that started all this, the uh, the free surfer, so to speak, it was uh, Gary Green when he called up Gordon Merchant and said, hey, what would you give a guy that just wants to surf and do photos? And he said a T-shirt and some stickers. <laughs> but look, look what it's turned into. Green was ahead of his time. Talking of Gary Green, who was the original free surfer, uh, this month is actually the 45th anniversary of tracks, and we, we sort of featured some of the best quotes ever, and Greeny's one was, this might not be quotable uh, for this audience, but basically oh, it his, is. his quote was, uh, I've got to win the contest because I've got to get a route tonight. Oh, classic, classic just, Gary Green. picture his eyebrows going up and down. Hey, look, off the free surfing thing, guys, I want your picks. Where is the cutoff, if you look at the ratings now? who, where, Where is it? How far down does it go? Does it go to 10 to Medina? Does it go to Taj? Where does it stop? In terms of world title or? Yeah, yeah. Who's got? You know, four comps to go. Taj is out because he's not doing Europe. He's having a kid, so he can straight strike okay. him off the list. Look, I look. In all honesty, gentlemen, really realistically, I, I really like the look of Owen Wright's uh, chances. Um, however, we all know how important Europe is. Trestles yep. is going to be a Philippe Toledo show. Whew. You know, a John John show. Owens it's, finished second to Kelly there. Let's not forget that, though. I, and also remember, Felipe say, Toledo was not on the tour then, and nor was uh, nor was Gabriel Medina. John John was I, in the event, only, though. Yeah. You're only as good as your last cutback. How was Felipe's last heat? Zero. Well, zero. First ever. Yeah. Why did we talk about that? What yeah. was that on the running list? Because I mean, we don't care. The only I've I've actually gotten a zero, but it was it was actually in the Masters Division up there. <laughs> I thought it was in a nightclub at Bronny. Yeah. Well, that was my track record zero all the time. <laughs> But um, yeah, look, I, I I like the look of uh, of Owen. I think Owen, if he can if he can keep his composure through Europe, get some results, he's he's definitely a chance because we all know at Pipe he's going to do his thing, right? So can, hey, can someone do multiple wins? Do you reckon out of these four, would two wins take someone all the way there? Um, I have to look at the maths a little. Look, no, I don't think so. I, I, yeah, it would be make it difficult for. Depends on who it is, like Luke was saying. Um, but I, I think Kelly's a sniff. I think Owen. I like Owen, and and everyone's talking about Julian. Well, I'm going to put it out there. Let's not dismiss the most passionate surfer on tour, the one who really wants to prove to everybody that he can do it, Adriano D'Souza. We can't write him off. He's wearing the yellow jersey. He's been yep. in front and lost it before. Obviously, he's been through his horror leg, which we knew that was going to be. Yep. Fiji and Tahiti. Now he's back in more comfortable conditions. Trestles. He posts. He could win the title. He posts a good result. Doesn't he? Might not need to kind of post a great result. Quarterfinal, semi. He's still right in the hunt. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Is it a quarterfinal? If you've, everyone gets quarterfinals, is it just going to be one of those great close years? Or is someone like Kelly on the banana boards just going to come out and go one, two, three, four? Another one of those shameless plugs. All right, boys. Well, let's uh, ponder those thoughts while we go to our next break here on the carve up. We'll be right back right after this. And welcome back to the carve up. John Shimoka here alongside Luke Kennedy, editor of Tracks Magazine, and of course Will Weber. Now, uh, great insight, boys. Uh, 
about the WSL rankings and where it could all end up at the end of the year at Pipeline, of course. Um, Luke, it's going to be an outstanding title race, no doubt. But, um, you know, I've been ch- while, while, it was, uh, while we were offline there and during the break, I was checking out our Facebook page, The Carve-Up Show, checking out some uh, feedback. And, of course, if you got any, we want to hear about it. We want to know what you think about the show, about the WSL, just about anything in li- with life in general, right? Now, but uh, speaking about anything in, in, in life in general, um, the, the phone's been ringing off the hook. The social media has been going nuts for this guy. Because all of his insightful uh, poetry, if you like, from Tahiti and even before he got to Tahiti. I'm talking about Chud Spivens, Luke. Now, Chud Spivens is a bit of a legend. Uh, and you've got a little bit of history with Chud. Well, actually, John, yeah, he featured in the recent issue of Track. So his profile's really going through the roof. It was actually uh, kind of put forward as the misfit issue and kind of, I guess, Chud's, you know, the ultimate surfing misfit. Sort of a little bit understood. Maybe one of the greatest watermen we've ever seen i mean i wouldn't be surprised actually rumors are that hollywood's going to hunt him down for uh the sequel to life aquatic he's going to he's going to take bill murray's place in the sequel to life aquatic uh, which hang, i think ha- would be well deserved hang on a sec hang hang, hang on the satellite phone's ringing uh, hang, we've got to take this call just just hold that thought um I, I i think it's chud i think chud's on the line i think he's from what the satellite coordinates say he's somewhere between tahiti and T Street, Chud, are you there? Yeah, forty thousand leagues under the speed. I got some echo here because we're in a tight, confined session. I'm with some guys I met at one of the bars there. It's insane. The guys say we've got to stop off We're here in Peru, but anyway, we've got time. We're making great ground. We can hear the whales down here, and we're getting super excited. And what, can getting see, what can you see, Chud? What can you see? See, there's no see, there's no damn windows. This thing's as big as a. It's like a combi van, man. It's like when I was in Australia tossing with some chicks up north around Nimbin. But this thing's down, man. We're down. I can hear whales. Are you fluent? Are you talk? Can you talk back, Chad? I, I, apparently, one of your talents is that you're actually fluent in whale speak. You taught. You actually taught Rasta how to talk whale speak. Yeah, that's right there, Luke, and it's so nice to talk to you. So refreshing to see you back in the water. When we are at the Cove, I was doing some stuff with the Japanese sashimi board, and we had to talk about how we do this, how we how we get close to Mother Nature and milk whales. That's what we wanted was whale milk to get the starving children of Kenya, which I've had problems with before, back up in the calcium count and take that stuff from there across the world. Chud, Chud. Uh, so you're on your way to T Street. Is that for? Uh, is that for the next WSL? I, I, and how long is it going to take you to get there? Yeah, that's right. Sure, good to hear your voice, man. So nice talking to you through these events, man. As soon as we do this little stop off in the down Peru or Bolivia, they won't give me the co- coordinates. I'm not allowed. I'm blindfolded most of the time. As soon as we get there, man, I'm there. One of the, the things I want to look at and research is the old clothing companies. Remember Caton? Remember Platts? Remember Hobie? What about Kadu? your family. Kadu? That's Australian. That's Richard Cram, you crazy ass. But the thing is that I'm there that I really want to languish and get in the jacuzzi and talk to these guys about 
There's an amazing heat. Shane Horn, the blonde bombshell from Bondi. When you guys, you know, I can hear you. We got the internet down here in the submarine. You're alluding to new surface, man. Where are the guys like that did this in 14? Like your Akalupos, your Tony Carrolls, your, your Martin Potter, if you will. Potts, 1989 world champion. They're going to be over there. There's an amazing heritage heat. I want to get in the jacuzzi. We're going to chuck some baby oil on that thing, and we're going to grassroots this thing. We've got Muck Richards there. We've got Shane Horn. Uh, look, I think there could be even some Michael Ho action. Chad, well, you gonna, are you going to get a wild card? Are you, uh, there's rumors they're going to throw you a wild card. Well, due to my, uh, the, the stuff that I'm doing with my uh, head coach, who I just saw in Tahiti, I'm on this no-surf diet. I've got to keep it real. I've got to slow down. He says I'm about to overheat. I'm thermal. Well, uh, good on you, Chud, and, you know, uh, travel well, my friend. We will be in touch, and, and from time to time, make sure you hit us on social media because uh, everyone out there wants to know what, where, and how you're doing it for the uh, the carve-up, buddy. Well, Pablo, get off that damn computer. I can't sleep. Oh, boy, Chud Spivens. Uh, Luke, we don't know where he is. We don't know when he's going to arrive, but uh, hopefully he just arrives safe, right? Uh, the man's an enigma, but that's what we love about him. Look, uh, we want to really thank uh, Luke Kennedy from Tracks Magazine. Luke, let's give uh, Tracks a plug here. When can we see the DVD or the release of the next Tracks Magazine with the next generation of, of these amazing young surfers you've been talking about? Yeah, check out the October issue of Tracks, which is the 45th anniversary issue, and the feature will be called Now and Tomorrow. Well, you know, I think we spoke about it earlier in the show. I think Australia is in safe hands in terms of all the young uh, guys and girls coming up. There's, uh, that's one of the segments uh, we've got to tell our producers to, to write into the script is, you know, girls surfing is so there, it's so now. I, uh, that's uh, maybe the next show, the next show after that. But uh, we enjoyed your company here on The Carve Up. Thanks to Luke Kennedy from Tracks Magazine. Make sure you hit up our Facebook page, The Carve Up Show, and tell us what you thought, good, bad, or the ugly. On behalf of myself, Will Weber, and shooter somewhere over there in Bali. Luke Kennedy, thanks for uh, being with us, buddy. And uh, we'll see you all next time on The Carve Up.